Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to preview the new episode of our podcast, Created Equal, which is about modern issues of inequality viewed through the lens of history. This week, we take a look at what it means for people with privilege, people in the majority, to take up the cause of those in the minority, people who are among the sort of marginalized, historically marginalized populations in this country. So you're not going to want to miss that. We'll also talk about fatherhood about halfway through the show. Uh, the annual, uh, 17th annual Fathers Conference put on by a Detroit-based partnership for dads uh, is coming up. We'll talk about that. And the keynote speaker, who is someone, if you listen to this station, someone that you know pretty well. Uh, so you'll want to stay tuned for that, too. But first, we have the latest installment in a new feature that we have here on Detroit Today. Every Friday, we invite somebody into the studio who sees the world through different lenses than I do. I get to run my mouth here all week on this show, talk about the way I see things with you, the listeners, and with guests. Uh, we're now trying on Fridays to bring somebody in who might think I'm wrong about an awful lot of things, uh, that uh, that I don't see things quite the right way. And this week, I'm happy to welcome uh, State Senator Phil Pavlo, a Republican from St. Clair, into the studio. Phil, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I really appreciate you setting me up to go right after you. <laughs> That's right. And we should disclose up front that uh, despite the fact that we sit on very, uh, I think, far extreme opposite ends of the political spectrum, uh, Phil and I are friends. Uh, we talk and we socialize and uh, we find ways to, to sort of build a personal relationship that I think uh, eclipses the political differences between us. And I think it's actually... Uh, it's one of the relationships I'm proudest of. I, I will say that, that. Well, thank uh, <laughs> you, and I, I have to, you know, also agree with you and say that, you know, our friendship has been built around policy and around issues that right. affect people deeply in the state of Michigan. And I'm not doing my job unless I can, you know, at least try to tolerate you and listen to the perspective <laughs> that you bring. But in a, in in reality, in all seriousness. Um, the only way that we can be effective in, in our jobs is to be able to have another worldview. Yeah. And um, I've always appreciated it and um, you know, look forward to continuing. Yeah. It. No, I, I remember interviewing you. I think the first time I interviewed you, uh, you were just running for house, right? Yeah, uh, for house. Just running for the house. Uh, and and I felt like we sort of hit it off. Even though I, you were saying these things, and I was like, oh my God, he can't really believe this. Right. But I was sitting there thinking, but he's so smart and he's really thought about these things. Uh, and so I sort of feel like it's built, built from there. It is. Yeah. It is. And if you look back, you know, I'm going into my 13th year in the Michigan legislature. And, you know, now we have a historic perspective. We can look back and I can say, hey, I might have been right on that or I might not have been thinking clearly on that last yeah. issue. And it just didn't work out that way. Um, but that's what time gives you a little bit of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I know you are uh, among the people who are pretty enthusiastic about the idea of a Trump administration in Washington, right? <laughs> which, of course, puts us on very opposite sides of things. I'm horrified uh, by by that. But but let's talk about some of the things that we've seen 
this week. Uh, first, let's talk about the pace of things. Uh, this is very different than what we normally see out of a new president, uh, even even by uh, sort of change agent uh, standards. Uh, Donald Trump is moving really quickly to try to set a different tone uh, in in Washington. It's not a tone I agree with. It's a tone that that I'll, I'll be honest is given me a lot of consternation right now. But but talk about the things that you've seen that you think uh, uh, are going to define this presidency and define the direction that we're going. Well, being a public official and just coming off a campaign uh, and talking to voters and talking to taxpayers and citizens every single day, uh, they were fed up. And I think Donald Trump did a very effective job at connecting with the dissatisfaction that's out there. And how he connected with that was promising action. And uh, I think the first four or five days of his administration has clearly shown a path of action. And I think that these are some of the these are some of the issues that are talked about not only in the coffee shops, but they're talked about at home around the kitchen table. And uh, so when you start talking and listening, people everywhere are asking for their voice to be heard. Now, whether your voice is being heard. Um, to Donald Trump is a different story, but I think when you, I don't think been, it is, but he's been, I think he's been consistent <laughs> in the things that he's been talking about. I mean, uh, from sanctuary cities, he just signed an executive order uh, on that. And we're already starting to see some mayors, um, kind of pivot into removing this, this sanctuary city label, uh, Miami Dade County, uh, was one of the first big ones that did it. But I think if we look in, but Michigan, we also seen, of course, mayors push back. Uh, oh, absolutely. Mayor of Boston, uh, New York, New York, Chicago, uh, Chicago uh, lots of people saying, "Look, we're not going to go along with this," uh, right. and and we'll see how that turns out. I my my guess is that he will not be able to condition federal funding for those cities on. Uh, policy uh, policy choices that they make. I mean, the, the courts have been pretty clear about that. But but you know, these things always sort of uh, morph into to issues about something more uh, specific or discreet than the big issue. And so, who knows? I mean, I, I suppose uh, we may see a crackdown. Yeah, but if we look, you know, I think the one thing that I, I think you and I and almost all of your listeners would agree that a strong, growing economy is going to help everybody. And I think that we're starting to see evidence of a shift. And with the conversation uh, now moving toward potential tax cuts and restructuring our corporate, uh, we're starting to hear our industry leaders, our tech leaders, um, talk with a different kind of optimism about doing their job and repatriating some of their foreign investments back into this country. And that can only be good for people in Detroit, in Lansing, in St. Clair, and Harbor Beach. Uh, so there seems to be at least a mood of consumer confidence has taken over. Um, you know, I don't always like to be the one that points to the Dow Jones Industrial hitting the 20,000 mark because it's just a number. Right. But essentially it represents um, a confidence and it represents this idea that there's going to be a new structure, whether it be regulatory or tax, that's going to allow U.S. investment. Yeah. And I think people are excited so, about that. So, so, so talking about the economy, though, uh, one of the things that the, the president uh, said he wanted to do this week was uh, something he promised he'd do during the campaign uh, was to, to sort of build this wall, a border wall with, uh, with Mexico, which is not just our next door neighbor geographically, but our third largest trading partner. He's also said that uh, the way he wants to pay for this or the way he wants to make Mexico pay for this uh, is to impose a 20% tax on Mexican imports. Now, uh, I've talked to lots of people uh, who, who are experts in trade policy and, and economics. 
I haven't heard a single person say that they think that will help our economy grow. Because Mexico is our third largest largest trading partner, they have a lot of leverage in terms of uh, the the goods that um, the goods that mostly they buy from us. I mean, if you go to Mexico and drive around, you see lots of uh, American uh, fast food chains and stores and things like that. I mean, we sell them our things. Uh, if they were to, for instance, retaliate uh, against us for that kind of tariff, uh, I think you know. Uh, Economic devastation maybe maybe a little bit of hyperbole, but not very much. Right, and I think that as Donald Trump is just making right on a campaign promise. I mean, when he came down the elevator, that's one of the first things that he talked about was the wall. But I don't think I think you put the wall into context. Yes, it has an impact on the illegal immigration part of it, but I think to a larger extent, I think that the drug trafficking and things that are happening at that border. Um, and, and then you fold in the Border Patrol and the Customs Protection folks there. Uh, it's a dangerous place. And I think that, that he, he kind of crystallized that conversation. But I think you're right. I mean, Donald Trump can talk about a 20% tariff, but it's going to be up to the legislature to figure this uh, out. That's think, Congress. That would yeah, have and, I, that. and I think that you have um, very strong held beliefs on free trade. Uh, that is going to be difficult for at least the Republicans that are in control to go along and say, okay, well, 20%, because the next thing you turn around, uh, there's going to be 20% in Canada and there's going to be a 15% in China. Sure. So, I mean, there's a balancing act there. And I think, as Donald Trump has indicated, he's a negotiator. I think it's a you know, he's got you and I talking about a 20% tax today, <laughs> while maybe in the background uh, he's having serious conversations with the leadership to say, so how can we deal with it? Do you, do you really think that's what he's doing, that he's sort of putting things out there and saying, all right, well, let's, let's get people talking about it, and I'm going to start on sort of an extreme end, and I know that I'm going to end up having to reel it back? I think so. I think interesting. That it, that's yeah, interesting. I mean, and I think that it, it, he gets an opportunity to own the conversation and get his messaging put into the conversation. In the end, you know, we've seen him pivot. We've seen him turn and uh, go back in a different direction. Yeah, almost every day, right? right? And it's one of the, the things that I think is so confounding about him is right. uh, you can't take what he says at face value because tomorrow the face value will be the opposite. Right. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that Lindsey Graham yesterday uh, was <laughs> was tweeting out well, Lindsey Graham is on fire on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're, uh, if you're listening. But think uh, you about should the go things- check, check out what he's saying. It's yeah. really funny. Well, I mean, you think about it. I mean, Mexico's probably largest export to the U.S. has been oil. And and also the labor in the, in, the, in the vehicles and some produce and some farm goods there. But in reality, this conversation has been reduced down to tequila and, you know, Corona. Avocados. Yeah, because we understand right? that. Those are the things that we we see every day and yeah, we understand. Those are the things that we all consume, right? Right. All right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is State Senator Phil Pavlo, a Republican from St. Clair. We are wrapping up the week's news, uh, talking about Donald Trump and his new administration in Washington. We're going to talk uh, about Lansing in a little bit, talk about Flint, uh, the Flint water crisis still going on. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there uh, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Greg and Frazier. Greg, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Um, Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I just had a question what they thought about. um, In terms of uh, immigration policy, back in the the day, from what I understand, that... um, 
they used to find businesses for uh, hiring people without, um, you know, a green card, and they used that as an immigration policy. And um, and then they helped people that were already here and working and contributing to society to, to get a path to citizenship. And um, it just seems like building this wall would be something that's um, uh, it, this isn't a, a contributes to our, our society. Uh, it seems like it'd be better if you held the businesses responsible that are doing the, you know, that's doing the hiring. Um, and I just had one other question. I just wanted to mention about uh, what what the congressman thought about the um, uh, signing the uh, XL pipeline. When, from what I understand, that Trump owns shares in the company till December, and his uh, Secretary of Energy is on the board of of the oil company. Um, at least that's what I've heard. I I I was just wondering. No one ever mentions that either. I was just wondering yeah. if I had any comment. Thank you very much for your time. I no, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks very much for the call, uh, Greg. Let's start with the, the the border policy there. I mean, this all gets to this question of, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody agrees or disagrees that uh, that immigration ought to be done in a legal and, you know, uh, security-minded fashion in this country. In other words, that that uh, having lots of people here who are undocumented is not to anybody's advantage. But I think the, 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 the place where we sort of diverge is what do you do about that now? If you have 11 to 12 million people living in this country, most of them uh, living productive lives, a lot of them owning businesses, for instance, and employing people, uh, what's the solution to the fact that they at, at some point came here uh, without permission, is it to, to to round people up and send people home, which is one of the things that Donald Trump has sort of hinted at, uh, or is it, uh, as we were talking about pretty seriously in the early uh, the early years of the Obama administration, trying to find paths to legal citizenship for uh, for these people? Like, which which is the way that will not not just protect Americans, but protect those people who want to be. Americans. Right. And, you know, if we talked in the caller, I think is spot on, right, and starting to recognize the impact of illegal immigration. So we're seeing it in our job force and our workforce. We're seeing it in, in labor. We're seeing it in the financial. We're seeing it in public services. But I think it's a pretty boring conversation to talk about the immigration law that we already have on our books. And had that law been, and all of those laws been adhered to, we wouldn't be talking about that owner of a business that is undocumented but has been a, a pillar in, in our society and in our community. So we're dealing with the effects of the illegal immigration. And I think where, where Trump and President Obama are, have been consistent in an agreement on it is that the deportation of the ones that have been, um, you know, the criminals, those are the first, um, first group of people that need to be headed back. And I think President Obama was very consistent in his policy of deportation. And I think that the problem is really it's it's gotten so large and the and the numbers are so I mean twelve to thirteen million we don't really know for sure sure uh, because essentially we stopped talking but a majority of those people that are here illegally are people that originally came whether it was on a work visa yeah. or an education visa and right. overstayed they've it. overstayed so we've just done a horrible job and maybe by design in terms of following up and and holding true but from you know I've been around you know I've been to China I've been to the Middle East I've been to Eastern Europe I mean. You go to some of these countries and you turn in your passport at night at the hotel. 
And you get it in the sure. morning when you wake up. Right. And so, I mean, they have the accountability in place that I'm not suggesting that we do that here in this country. Yeah, but no, I, I would not like to right. see that. <laughs> but but I mean, it's just it just to me, the first time I had to turn my my passport in, um, you know, that's not what we do. But that's how they control <laughs> but that's you know, how their they border and their countries. people. Yeah. And, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the problem is, again, you, you've got these people who want to be Americans and there's something special about that, I think. I mean, it, it's one of the things that I think uh, truly separates this nation from other nations. People don't uh, don't move by the hundreds of thousands or the millions to become German citizens unless they're unless they're refugees. Uh, right. People don't do that in China. Uh, people come to this country because of what they believe it represents. And if we treat them because they are here and haven't followed the rules uh, as the enemy, I, I really fear what that says about us. Well, I'm, my grandparents, and I think you, you could go down the list of people who have had their grandparents or great-grandparents come into this country legally, and, and mine did from Slovakia, and I'm glad that they did. Uh-huh. I'm glad that they gave me an opportunity <laughs> right. to live in the greatest country in the world. And regardless if it would have been a President Clinton or a President Trump, uh, that desire to be in this country I think is still strong yeah. because we do offer that last best hope, uh, regardless of the political opposition and division in this country. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the phones. we got lots of people want to chime in here, Phil. Uh, Sasha in Royal Oak. Sasha, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning, Stephen. Hey. Uh, who's your Who's your guest today? Uh, Senator Phil Pavlo, a Republican right, from right. St. Clair. Well, let's ask him about how he can say that the border is the most dangerous area in the country, all right, when, when it's the most militarized area in the country. It's even got Marines down there, all right? So that's a lie, okay? Illegal immigration, all right, let's talk about that. It's been down for at least five years. That's true. A wall is not going to help. It's been proven it's not going to. Do you want to have accountability like China? How's about accountability like Russia? Yeah, let's get accountability. <laughs> All right. There is not a flood of criminals coming across that border. This is a GOP, grand old party of perverts lie. All right. <laughs> the drug enforcement has Crap. failed. It's been a proven fact. We need to go to Portugal. All right. This is a white entitled male that's talking BS. All, all right. right, Sasha. Uh, Sasha, I, I really appreciate your call. Uh, may not agree uh, entirely with what you're saying, but I do agree that uh, I do agree that the wall won't work. And I and I want to uh, make it clear that uh, I'm not uh, I'm not encouraging of the kind of language that uh, Sasha was using there, Phil. I think what, <laughs> I may agree with the point he's making. I don't agree with what, the way he made it. Uh, that's but, typically what you have happen when passion over <laughs> right. rules. Knowledge. He feels very strongly about it, and I, you know, we appreciate the passion. But look, if you want to sit, it in, is true. Though. If you want to, if you want to defend the amount of drugs and and human trafficking that's coming across that border, then you you can do that in your circles. But I think the reality is, is you know, number one, I didn't say it was the most dangerous. No, place you didn't say the most it was a dangerous place. It is dangerous. And, and, and talk to the people that we talk to. I mean, come to Marysville and talk to the people in the border protection. And then listen to those stories and, and, and find out what the people that are coming across here illegally, what some of their intentions are and desires are. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, do, do the, uh, the wall, though, lots of people who support uh, crackdown on, you know, illegal border crossings will say that this wall won't work, uh, that, that they will go around it, they will go under it. The things that, uh, that drive people 
cross that border are not going to change because of that wall. Do you believe that? Well, I think the wall can be a deterrent. And I think that I think President Trump has indicated that a wall could necessarily not just mean a 30 foot structure and 15 feet in the ground. I mean, it, it is surveillance. It is wire. It is fencing. It is drones. It is a combination of all all of the, the technology and the tools that we have available to control our borders. And Quite frankly, I think the American people spoke very loudly that they want a country that protects its borders. And, uh, you know, we happen to be on a border right here. Yeah. I mean, every day between Detroit and up in my district, I have two international bridge crossings. We have a rail tunnel that comes across there. And, uh, you know, if Sasha wants to expand his knowledge a little bit and start talking to people that deal with this every day, the local law enforcement, I think there might be a little bit different perspective. Different. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Marion in Detroit. Marion, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Um, I was just going to ask the representative how he justifies the lies that Trump tells, um, everything from the inauguration crowd to um, (laughs) saying that he's the one who decided to cancel on the Mexican president's visit to the U.S. Um, I mean, I think these things are really scary, and widely um, people agree that it's signs of fascism taking hold, and I'm just wondering how you justify that or understand that. Yeah, Marion, great question. Uh, you know, so I, I was actually having a conversation this morning about the lies that, that Trump is telling and why he tells those lies. Uh, there's a column in the New York Times by Charles Blow that talks about him as a pathological liar. Uh, I, I think it's a little different. I think this is somebody who uh, who has a fantasy idea about himself and about his place in the world and has had that for a long time and uh, articulates sort of reality according to that fantasy. And, and I think in his mind, they aren't lies. I mean, I think he genuinely doesn't believe that he's telling these these lies. He thinks he's telling the truth, uh, which I guess, I don't know if that's scarier or less scary than if he, than he, if he does know what he's doing uh, but but as a supporter how do you how do you how do you reconcile all of those things well i don't get up in the morning and start making apologies or or, or <laughs> moving someone else's message and, and and determining whether they're thoughtful or whether they're actually lies and you know my job is to make sure that the state of michigan is in line with what's happened at the federal government and so when Donald Trump talks about eliminating Obamacare, it's my job and it's our job as, as a community and as of elected officials to try to figure out a way of what's that impact mean to the people of the state of Michigan. When Donald Trump talks about cleaning up illegal immigration, it's my job in Port Huron to understand what that means. What kind of resources are we having to apply to that situation? And when the agriculture industry comes to me and, and is talking about needing more uh, immigrant workers, uh, work visas, that, that's my job. And, and I certainly don't need to get up and apologize for anybody. I and mean, we just have a job to do and we work hard at it. So, I mean, do, is, does that mean you ignore the things that he's saying? Let's just say that there's an opportunity to sort things out. I mean, I'm look, when when Spicer got up and on the night of the inauguration started talking about the crowd size, right. that just didn't register with me. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I think that well, they're trying why, to set a tone. Well, why tell the lie then? I think that they're trying to set a tone. And I think that more than anything, they were probably sending a signal to the media, uh, <laughs> maybe to get out ahead of it. Uh, it's it's no different than, than maybe Tom Izzo working the refs a little bit on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, we, we An see... Interesting metaphor. I mean, it is. I mean, it's, it's positioning. I think that it's uh, just trying to get some ground and hold it in a very difficult environment. Yeah. And I don't... Look, I'm, I'm not the truth tester. Other people are better at that than me. <laughs> All right, let's go to Linda and Hamtramck. 
Linda, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. You know, the narrative on the wall is really interesting to me because it's been proven by the experts that he's talking about that it really effectively doesn't decrease the drug trafficking across the border. They have drones, they have light aircraft, they have trucks that have ramps that go up the back and the front. There are tunnels that they can make the same amount of money back in one shipment. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I, so I don't understand where you're talking about all this money, which where is it coming from, when we still haven't even corrected Flint. Yeah, uh, Linda, that's so the point. Those are our people in Michigan. That's the point that I think is the, 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 the one to sort of home in on, which is how much money is this wall going to cost uh, and how else could we spend that money? I mean, we have real needs for people in this country, uh, people in Flint, uh, people in Macomb County and Fraser, uh, where uh, you know a sinkhole swallowed up people's houses on Christmas Eve because uh, of the way we don't take care of our infrastructure. Uh, does it make sense to to spend money? I mean, the GOP is is. Uh, consistently talking about waste uh, and not uh, not going to sort of sort of spend money on things we don't need in order to spend the things on we do on, on things we do need. Where does the priority here make any sense? Well, it was probably ten or fifteen years ago that Congress actually authorized building the wall, and um, you know, so from a policy perspective, it's always been uh, recognized as something. But I would just say to the listeners, particularly in Southeast Michigan. Uh, you know, we're on a border. And if those same conditions, if Mexico were our neighbor rather than Canada, I mean, we don't really see a lot of Canadian people looking to sneak into Michigan. What we do see is immigration policy where uh, people from around the world can get to Toronto very easily and then work their way in. And whether they're from the Middle East, wherever, that doesn't matter. We don't see the mass pressures and, and testing of that border here. But I assure you the conversation would be different if Southeast Michigan was the penetrating point. So you would say that that's more of a priority, though, than, I mean, well, it Congress is a priority because its feet. Right. But after nine, yeah. But after 9-11, look at the amount of assets, both federal and state, that have been applied to our border, whether, um, sure. you know, it, it, whether it's monitoring uh, of towers along the St. Clair and Detroit River, um, undercover agents out in boats. Uh, you know, we have a there's a reality out there and there's a world that we don't always recognize. And so, you know, whether they're coming through the tunnel in Detroit, the Ambassador Bridge, at some point, the Gordie Howe Bridge, if that ever comes, the Blue Water Bridge, <laughs> this is an international border. And, you know, and, and if those kind of problems were present as they are in El Paso and southern Arizona uh, on a daily basis, we'd probably be having a different conversation, at least in Michigan, about it. We just I, I happen to have a lot true. of commerce that comes yeah, across. I think that's true. All right. Uh, Phil Pavlo, state senator from St. Clair. Uh, you've been a good sport this morning. <laughs> Thanks well, for coming in. Passionate callers, and we <laughs> certainly right. appreciate the, the right. challenging questions. Yeah, no, and we'll have you back sometime soon uh, to talk more about all of this. Uh, so thanks for being here. All right, up next, uh, we're going to talk with the organizers of the 17th Annual Fathers Conference in Metro Detroit about what it means to be a dad in 2017. Stay with us on Detroit Today.